Here's Pastor Trent Griffith. God treated Jesus as if he had committed the sin of Sodom so that he could treat those of us who still live in Sodom as if we were as righteous as that one man. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. With summer just around the corner, it's garage sale season. Are you a yard sale expert? Or have you ever bought or sold something on Facebook Marketplace or maybe even Craigslist? Or maybe you're old enough to have actually used the classified ads in this thing called a newspaper. While those who are good at these kinds of business transactions can expect some haggling to go on, there's a common understanding that the price is negotiable. You know, there's an interesting story in the book of Genesis, where on the surface, Abraham seems like he's sort of bargaining with God. Today, Pastor Trent will take us deeper into that text and help us see that there was a lot more than negotiation going on between the Lord and Abraham. He'll show us how it's a picture of the gospel. We're in a series called Epic, so let's listen to part two of this message, The Prayer of Promise. Here's Pastor Trent. We've got our Bibles open to Genesis chapter 18. Today we're going to see four key characters in this story as it unfolds before us. We're going to see a just judge. We're going to see citizens of Sodom. We're going to see a pleading priest and then one more that will surprise you at the end. And so the story turns. Finally, we get to verse 16 and we meet the just judge. And so I want you to notice here, it says, then these men set out from there and they looked down toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them and set them on their way. So these three men are going down to Sodom. Verse 17, the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? And so the story continues in verse 18, seeing Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Remember, that's part of the promise. Verse 19, for I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Now remember, not only was Sarah unable to do children, Abraham was unable to do righteousness and justice. There was barrenness of children, but there was also barrenness of righteousness. That's why God had to do for him and in him something he couldn't do for himself, namely righteousness and justice. And he goes on, it says, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. He's going to fulfill the promise. Then verse 20, then the Lord said, because of the outcry, underline that word, because of the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave. I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. What did God hear in the outcry? Whose voice was crying out in Sodom? If the whole place was wicked, who is in there who's giving the outcry that's reaching the ear of God? 
We're not exactly sure. It could be just be a general outcry that there was injustice and oppression going on. People were being victimized there. People were being taken advantage of. We know that again because of what we read later about Sodom. But I believe there is one particular voice that God heard. And it was the man, Lot. Remember Lot? Lot, in this story, is the nephew of Abraham. How many of you have a nephew? Okay. And we read over in the New Testament in 2 Peter chapter 2, this statement. Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. So maybe it was Lot whose soul was being tormented by what he was seeing around him and the outcry was going up to God. And God heard the outcry and God was going to examine the situation and God was going to act in justice and in judgment toward sin. Make no mistake, folks. Despite what you have heard, God is still serious about sin. And God still judges sin. And God still knows about the sin in our lives. How can a gracious, loving God exercise judgment on people and annihilate them in His judgment? How can a gracious and good God send people to eternal conscious torment in hell? You've got to ask that question. But here's even a better question. How can a just God show grace and love and mercy on people who are only worthy of His judgment? Now listen, the grace and the mercy of God has no meaning apart from the justice and the righteousness of God. And what every Christian believes is this statement found explicitly over in Romans chapter 5, one trespass led to condemnation for all men, black men, white men, women, rich men, poor men, old men, young men, Men that put the label of Muslim on themselves. Men that put the label of Christian on them. We all stand before the just judge condemned. That is the foundation of the gospel. The question is, is there anything that can be done to divert the judgment and the condemnation of God. And that is the question that Abraham is about to wrestle with. We've met the just judge. Let me introduce you to the citizens of Sodom. Look here in verse 21. Again, it says, actually verse 20, it says, the Lord said because of the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah, it's very great and their sin is very grave. Now, if you know anything about Sodom, you... If I ask you, what was the sin of Sodom? What what sin are you thinking of right now? You're probably thinking of the sin of of sexual deviance. Unbridled sexuality is the sin of Sodom. We have laws in America that are named after the sin of Sodom. Sodomy, 
heard of that? It all came right out of here. And that's what you would think of. But do you know what the Bible says the sin of Sodom is? It may be different than what you think. As a matter of fact, we need to understand in Ezekiel chapter 16, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. Listen, she has, and her daughter, she had pride, excess of food, prosperous ease, and did not aid the poor and needy. They were haughty and did an abomination before me. Now listen, the abomination of sexual sin was the last in a string of sins that started with the sin of pride. Do you understand you and I are citizens of Sodom and we deserve nothing less than the judgment that fell on Sodom? We need to understand we've got to turn or we're going to face the same judgment of God. Here's the third character in the story, a pleading priest. A pleading priest. Now, when I say the word priest, some of you may get in your mind a Roman Catholic priest. That's not the image that we're looking for here. A priest is a mediator between a just judge and a sinful man. A priest is a bridge between the two. A priest is someone who is on good terms with both sides and is willing to try to negotiate reconciliation through the pleading of the case like someone would in a courtroom, a defense attorney trying to reconcile two parties together. And that's the image we get of Abraham as we read the rest of the story. Notice beginning in verse 22. So the men turned from there, these three men, they turned from Abraham and they went towards Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. So two of the men depart and Abraham is left alone with God. God intentionally chooses to stay behind. It's almost like he's inviting a conversation. Almost as if he's saying, Abraham, now that you know what's about to happen to Sodom, do you care? Do you want to get involved? Do you have anything to say? Would you like to offer any recommendations? And he had a choice. Abraham could either adopt the position of judge and say, you know, God, I was kind of waiting when they would kind of get wiped out. I, they're kind of my enemies. I'm a little afraid they could attack me at any moment. I'm so glad. I'll stand back and applaud. Go, God. Or he could adopt the position of a priest. And that's what he does. Look at verse 23. And Abraham drew near. Do you see those two words? Another translation said, Abraham approached. It was a very intentional act, almost as a legal setting, as a defense attorney would say, may I approach the bench? And he's welcomed into God's presence. Abraham drew near and said, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. 
Interesting. It's like, let's just assume for a moment that we could find 50 righteous citizens of Sodom. Just let's let that be the presupposition. Let's assume that. I'm not sure it's true, but let's assume. Then he says, will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked so that the righteous fare as, do you see the little word as in verse 25? Very important words, underline that word. So that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And he's not asking that as a question as whether or not he will, because it's assumed God is going to be a just judge. He presents his case. Now notice what he's saying. He realizes the wheels are turning in his head. And he realizes if something doesn't happen, the righteous are going to be treated as if they were wicked. They're going to die even though they're not guilty. Because they'll be treated as the wicked. Assuming there are righteous in the city. Do you know what Abraham does? He begins to reverse the logic. And he begins to wonder. I wonder if God would treat the wicked in that city as the righteous. And he begins to haggle with God the way you haggle at a yard sale. He, first of all, offers the price of 50 men. And notice God's response to that request. Verse 26. And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. God responds with more than he asks. Abraham was simply asking for the 50 to get out of there so God could judge the wicked. But do you know what God says? I'll do more than that. If I find 50 righteous men, I'll spare the whole place. He promises to treat the wicked as if they were righteous. If he could only find 50 men. This pleading priest has a prayer that we can learn from. There's something going on here. Certainly we can learn to pray for the sodomites around us and the sodomite within us that God would somehow have mercy on us. That's a position that we can adopt because we now understand that God is a just judge, but he's a gracious judge and there's a way that the wicked can be made right. We, we can adopt that, but here's the best thing we can learn from this. Don't miss the principle. This verse is the introduction of the most epic doctrine in the Bible. Theologians call it the doctrine of imputation. That God would credit righteousness to wicked men. And that God would credit the wickedness of men to one righteous man. It unfolds in the New Testament 
It's introduced here and Abraham is beginning to discover something about the nature and the character of God. And so he begins to haggle. I want you to look at verse 27. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the 50 righteous are lacking. Will you indeed destroy the whole city for the lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 righteous men. He goes a little further. Verse 29, again, he spoke to him and said, suppose 40 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Verse 30, he said, oh, let the Lord not be angry. I will speak. Suppose 30 are found. And he answered, I will not destroy it for the sake of 30. He's like, I like the direction this is going. We're on a roll. So he goes further. Verse 31, he said, behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. And the Lord answered, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Verse 32, then he said, oh, let the Lord not be angry. I will speak again, but this once. Suppose 10 are found there. And he answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. Now, let me ask you a question. What do you think the next verse would say? Don't you imagine this thing would go, what about nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. God, what if, what if we could find one righteous man? Would you treat the wicked as if they were as righteous as that one man? But that's not the way it goes. Verse 33 kind of changes the plot. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham and Abraham returned to his place. The bargaining is ended. Why? I believe it was because both the Lord and Abraham knew there wasn't one righteous man and that's why the last point is the missing man. But where is this one righteous man? When does he show up in the story? He doesn't show up in Genesis 18. But he's already been promised. He is going to be the one that is going to come through the line, the bloodline of Abraham and Sarah. Sarah laughed at the thought that there could be a man that would come through her because she was barren. Sodom was barren of righteousness. And yet, is there anything too hard for the Lord? There's going to be one righteous man that's going to show up later. And the great news for you and me is this. We see him. We know his name. And we can see him in our place. We read about him again over in Romans chapter 5. 
It says, for if because of one man's trespass, that one man was Adam. Genesis chapter 1, 2, 3. He trespassed. He sinned against God. And he brought death. Death reigned through that one man, Adam. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of what? Righteousness. There was no righteousness in Sodom. But God gives a free gift of righteousness so that it can reign in life through the what? One righteous man, Jesus Christ. And we referred to this verse earlier when we were talking about Senator Sanders. Therefore, as one through one man's trespass led to condemnation for all men, here's the second half of the verse. So that one act of righteousness, what was that? As Jesus crawled on that cross, God the Father treated Jesus as if he had committed the sin of Sodom. Pride, arrogance, haughtiness, fullness of bread, abundance of idleness. God treated Jesus as if he had committed the, the sin of Sodom so that he could treat those of us who still live in Sodom as if we were as righteous as that one man. So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men, all who will repent and believe, no matter whether they're black, they're white, they're, they're, they're rich, they're poor, they're young, they're old, they're Muslim, they're Baptist, it doesn't matter. God provided one act of righteousness for the sin of all. And we're introduced to it way back in the epic story of Genesis chapter 1. Can I ask you a question? Have you been counted righteous in Christ because you believe it? Or are you still trying to obtain your own righteousness? Are you still trying to work your way to heaven? It's impossible. We're all under condemnation from a just judge. Our only hope is that he would provide a mediator between a just God and a sinful man and that we in right relationship with this mediator, this pleading priest, Jesus Christ, whoever lives to make intercession for us, that we can now be made right not because we are right, but because he is right, because God would treat the wicked as if they were righteous, because he treated the righteous as if he was wicked. That's the gospel. And that is the only hope for any of us. But it's a sufficient hope. Is the Lord calling you? Have you welcomed him? Have you received him? Has he pointed out to you your sin and your independence? How far you are from God? What are you going to do with that? Have you turned from that sin? Are you willing to admit today that your righteousness is not sufficient to be made right with God? For those of you that know that story and have heard that concept, that's not a new concept. Are you living as a pleading priest to get that news to those who still live in Sodom? That's the only purpose you were here. And are you applying that truth every day to your own life? There may be some of you here today, that is a brand new concept. And you thought, man, I thought to get to heaven, you just had to be good. I know I'm not that good, but I'm better than most. 
No, you're not as good as you need to be and you never will be. There wasn't a good man found in, in Sodom. There's not a good man found here today. There's only one who ever lived that life. His name was Jesus. And if you'll trust him, God will count your trust as righteousness. His righteousness credited to your account, your sin credited to his account. That's the gospel. And until you believe it, we all stand condemned before a just judge. Is there a spark of faith? Is there a spark of belief? Have you heard the Lord calling? You're not a Christian until you respond in faith. And that so changes and transforms your thinking that you want to get out of Sodom. You ready to turn, repent? You can do that today. Why don't you open up your heart to him and say, Lord, I am not good enough. Thank you that you came and pleaded my case before the judge. Thank you that in spite of my sinfulness, you came and lived a life I could never live. God, would you make that a reality in me today? And so, if you've done that today, there's pastors here at the end. There's pastors here at the end of this service. And if you, at the end of this service, would like to come forward and share with one of them what God's doing in your heart, be a great opportunity for you to take a step out of Sodom. Lean into the Lord. Father, I pray that today with fresh eyes we would see your grace, your forgiveness, your offer of salvation. In the light of knowing we deserve your justice, your judgment. And God, would you have grace and mercy favor upon us that so often have forgotten you, have ignored you. We've gotten enamored with other things, the abundance of so much. God, turn our hearts toward you again today. Grant faith to those that would believe and repent of sin. We pray in Jesus' name. The Just Judge, The Citizens of Sodom, A Pleading Priest, and The One Missing Righteous Man. Trent Griffith of Gospel City Church has helped us understand this Old Testament story in a much fuller and deeper way. He showed us how it fits into the overall epic story of the Bible, the Gospel. To review this program, go to mygospelcity.org resonate. And if you'd like to visit Gospel City for a worship service, head to that same website, mygospelcity.org, and look for I'm New Here. That will help you see when and where we meet, including our new campus in Elkhart County. Again, the web address is mygospelcity.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook by searching for Gospel City Church. Now, when a man proposes to a woman, he doesn't show her how much he loves her by buying her the cheapest ring he can find, does he? Next week, Pastor Trent will take us to Genesis chapter 22 to help us see that God proves his love 
by paying the price of the promise. He'll show us the beauty of the gospel in the story of Abraham offering up his son Isaac to God. Well, thanks for listening today. Have a wonderful Memorial Day celebration as we remember those who have given their lives in defense of our freedom. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that the epic story of the gospel would resonate in your heart this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio and podcast ministry of Gospel City Church. Visit us online at mygospelcity.org.